0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping people get the inside scoops on the life around our church. And a few weeks ago, we discussed uh, the concept of reopening and discussed our reopening values with Joan Hyatt, the chair of our Board of Elders. And uh, in that podcast, we encouraged everyone to participate in an online survey to provide input and uh, today i'm going to process the results and the findings of that survey with our connection pastor jeff martins who's been kind of quarterbacking that whole process so jeff say hi to everybody hey, everyone and uh, tell us junior how's your summer going in this pandemic affected season
1: yeah, you know what uh, overall, not too bad. I mean it's it felt like with with kids our kids being elementary school aged, it's felt certainly like a longer summer given that the uh, the traditional schooling was not quite the same for the the end of the year, obviously, but uh, it's been good. We're fortunate to to have a pool that we can enjoy in the backyard and with the heat waves and the extra time at home we've we've used that quite a bit and spent just a lot of time hanging in the neighborhood with the neighbors and and that kind of stuff. so so that stuff's going well.
0: Do they feel like they've had a six-month March break?
1: I, I think I think a little bit. I think a little bit, and uh, yeah, at that level, I mean, there's different perspectives on the the going back to school, but uh, they personally are, are feeling ready for that because it's it's been a long a long break. So,
0: been a long break, and they're little. Yeah, so that's that's. Yeah. Hey, I want to dive, hey, dive right into this because uh, we got a lot of, lot to talk about. Um, you and your team have been processing the results and the findings of this online survey. So tell us, first of all, just what was your initial reaction to people's engagement? Hmm. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the the first gut reactions were just very pleased with
1: people's timeliness of response and engagement. We first sent it out kind of with a a mass email, you know, it was kind of midweek before the Sunday that we sort of announced it in our online service. And already in those, those first, the first 24 hours we had a couple hundred responses people just dove in and uh and engaged and uh, that was fantastic it felt like very quickly we'd have representative response and then we continued to give it kind of another week with a little more promo and uh we've had over over 400 uh responses which a lot of those even represent households um even even one of the, the surveys uh we, we sort of had the two options, the quick version, which had sort of just the most cut to the chase questions for people that preferred that. And then the longer version where we could dive into a little more in-depth uh, information and perspectives. And we got about equal engagement for each, about 200 for each. And uh, on the one that was a little bit longer, people could choose to submit their name just to let us know they filled it out. And, and I know some of those were couples or households. And so we definitely feel like sort of the, the core of our church, if, if not beyond that, is is represented here, which to me feels really great.
0: Yeah, so if you're listening, uh I mean just heartfelt appreciation from us uh as leaders for your willingness to communicate with us through that that communication venue. It's really important to get a a pulse for where our people are at and uh you all stepped up and uh engaged with us and so we we just really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um you talked about these two versions basically you kind of sold it as a a two minute and a 10 minute version. Describe the difference if there was any between the survey engagement of those kind of two versions.
1: Yeah, in- interestingly, the the engagement was was pretty much equal. Uh, just over two hundred responses to each. So even that is interesting that that in people's preferences, it was kind of split down the middle whether you want to just just give the sort of the quick survey or the the you know the the longer form version. And we just wanted to make sure we we offered the two because first of all, I recognize that sometimes our inboxes get filled up with all kinds of things and including some stuff from, from our community in Southridge and whatnot. We wanted to make it accessible. So if you just, you didn't want to open it and see tons of questions that immediately had you check out, that's why we created a short version. And basically the short version had, uh, well, it was a five or six questions that really cut to the chase around the, the ideas and protocols and sort of feelings and perspectives on re-engaging large group public worship gatherings that that's that's what that survey focused on uh and in the longer form that was about one third of it those five or six but there was another two thirds about five or six questions each partly about engagement with existing things we've been doing our online services as they are some of the resources we're trying to create particularly for spiritual investment um, as well as as well as community oriented initiatives like Using Zoom video technology to connect, which we're doing a little more in the spring at our virtual lobby and people's interest in, in something like that returning, and also qu- asking questions about life group engagement. Have you had a chance to connect with others in our community in safe ways? If you haven't, would you like to? Uh, if you're not in a life group and when we gear up for the fall to, to get some going, are, are you... Uh, interested in in getting connected because we need community now as much as ever. And so those were the things that rounded out the longer version, like existing online
0: service engagement and community life engagement. And in either of those or both of those surveys together, was there anything about the survey feedback that surprised you just kind of at a high level? Um, I, I, you know, what, I, I'm not sure there was any
1: crazy surprises. A, a lot of what we heard, uh, I think, felt mostly in line with some of the the gut feelings we had had as leaders. Or given we're trying to be in conversation with people, lots, um, you know, we had had lots of more you know uh, little data points or anecdotal feedback, conversational, all that kind of thing. Um, so so that stuff probably for the most part, aligned. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll start getting into some of those those results and details and stuff. Um, again, probably just how quickly and how many people responded was most, I guess, somewhat surprising and pleasing. Um, and uh, at least on, on those who filled out the uh, longer form survey, um, the people that filled out those, the, the engagement, the regular and consistent engagement with the online service in kind of an almost every week way, that was really strong. And I guess at some level, those who are hearing about these things and kind of are your core and even are going to choose to fill out a longer survey are probably the people that are are a little more consistently invested. But in a time when it is harder to know, I mean, we can track YouTube views and that kind of stuff, but it is harder to know to what degree are people sort of staying plugged in, staying connected, participating together, um, seeing the strength of the online, the consistent online service engagement was was really pleasing. So
0: yeah, I would uh, echo that comment that especially I would say in the dog days of summer mm. to get that that degree of engagement from people and households uh, was was super encouraging. So, again, thanks yeah, everyone for doing. Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, you talk about cutting to the chase. Let's get to kind of the bottom line of of what we ultimately wanted to mm. know through mm. the through the survey. Obviously, the most critical piece of feedback was the input on reopening. Mm-hmm. What did we learn there?
1: Yeah, so we I mean we had asked a, a couple of questions about the different dynamics of reopening, but in each survey, and a few of these questions were consistent in each so that we were able to combine the data to try to make it like one survey on these questions. I mean, the sort of bullseye question where we just wanted to get the 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 pull of of a sort of opinion across our church was would you like to see Southridge reopen for large in-person? indoor worship gatherings at 30% capacity of our facilities at this time. That was the, like, what do you think about that? So in response uh, to that question, uh, we had uh, just under a quarter of people say yes, 24% would like to see that happen. Um, We had an undecided option knowing between a yes, no, or there might be legitimately, and I'm not sure. And we didn't want to force anyone to to offer an answer, if they're legitimately in their gut, they're undecided. That was just over a quarter, at about twenty-eight percent, and then the rest, which is about half of our community, kind of the stats came in at forty-nine percent, said no, they they would prefer to not see that uh, at this time. So that that's sort of the the bullseye question and the bullseye data, um, in the spirit of cutting to the chase.
0: Yeah, and how would you say that those stats shaped our leadership's thinking on reopening?
1: Yeah, I mean I think they they have been uh very informative for us. Um I think we have felt cautious and certainly have leaned towards uh it being in everybody's best interest to hold to continue holding off on our large group uh public gatherings and so having a basically near majority feel similar. Um I think would align with our gut. I guess at some level we thought uh, a, an answer like that might even be more decisive one way or another because you are kind of split, but obviously we gave the undecided option, which leaves room for, for less decisiveness. And, and you recognize you have you know almost a third of people still just feeling unsure, which also just taps into the, the reality we're living in where uh, we're navigating lots of unknown and uncertainty and uh, at the very least by gathering your data the, gathering the feedback and the data this is allowing us to make more decisive decisions which hopefully uh, at least anchors us in some clarity even though there's there's uncertainty so
0: yeah if there's anything surprising to me it was the level of undecided yeah um and and certainly that represents some kind of insecurity or i'm not sure and you know when i think about my my own kids and sending them back to school mm. there's an element where becky and i are still unsure uh so you know thinking about that i i i wasn't sure how to interpret that especially with how polarized the conversation seems to be in the public forum right you're kind of one way or the other it's you know wear a mask or don't mm. you know reopen or don't and uh, and so that i would call it maybe a middle ground Uh, of the undecided that that might have surprised me. But like you said, bottom line, it kind of affirmed our leaning towards not reopening. And so we sent out a community wide email uh, just this past week and announced again in uh, yesterday's online service, Sunday service that as a result, uh, we're not going to reopen, at least for the remainder of 2020, at least for the next, you know, four or so months. Anything that you'd like to add, as far as the thoughts or values behind that decision, and everything related to that conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a significant. Uh, it, we, this has been a heavy decision to make, a, a challenging um, decision to make. And uh, I think there's, there's lots of layers to it. Um, I, I think what's interesting for me, y- if you add a few more sort of questions together that were, again, kind of the questions we asked in both surveys, you see about this almost a quarter, 24% say, yes, I think we should reopen. I think we should, it's, it's time. Then, interestingly, we asked a question a little later on uh, that, that tried to tap into what would actually be your behavior if we did reopen? Would you like there's a was a whole bunch of options like would you be there right away? Would you maybe check it out? would you hold off? you wouldn't bring your family whatever or or would you absolutely not come and interestingly there the twenty four percent sort of yeses sort of scaled back to about a nineteen percent a one in five or so saying uh they would they would actually be there right away and then we had had a question, and this one I think was just in the long form about articulating all the various protocols and restrictions and think what an actual gathering would look like right now that would look very different, like so many things in our world from how we gathered pre-COVID. And ask the question, given all those restrictions, limitations, boundaries, sort of safety protocols, What would you prefer? Would you you prefer that, an in-person experience like that, or what we're currently doing online and any other ways we're seeking to sort of be community and be the church together? And at that level, it was overwhelming. Um, I mean, 70% said they would still prefer online at this point, much more decisive. And it was only 12% at that point that said they would still prefer meeting in person. So just to, again, follow that train of thought, 24%, yes, I think we should reopen. 19%, yeah, I'll be there. 12% Twelve percent saying, given all what that would actually look like, uh, only twelve percent saying I would. I think I would still prefer that to online. Um, that that has us sort of uh, solidify the feeling that it's it's probably a lot of risk for only a few of us as a community trying to experience some benefit from in person gathering and thinking it, it, it's not worth. The best way we can love and serve our community is not putting anyone at risk. And doing our best then to keep being the church, keep living a lifestyle full devotion to Christ, and keep gate, you know, building community and connection in other ways.
0: So, yeah, and I know that, you know, some of the decision making criteria uh, involves soliciting a bit of impact, uh, a bit of input or experience from other churches. And hmm. I know that there's been some neighbor churches that we're friends with who have felt probably a greater pressure than in our church to reopen. Uh, And have made some efforts to do that, but found that when you actually get to who's showing up, Mm -hmm. the the participation, the attendance seemed to be far less than the weight of encouragement to reopen in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so that's I appreciate you getting into that, because I think that's what some of the data, even in our context, revealed that while maybe theoretically I'd like to see our church open and it feels like we ought to be open. I probably still wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to you know, have a evaluation of, of who would be there. But I, I also liked your description of the experience, because for me, I would say that would be my bottom, bottom, bottom line criteria is, you know, we don't gather for content purposes. We can distribute content as we've been doing through an online experience mm-hmm. and we can engage in worship and be taught and all those kinds of things when I think about the the 30% max capacity, the physical distance requirements that everyone indoors would have to wear a face mask, that there's no contact, no hugs, handshakes, things like that. There'd be no kids programs, no first impressions, no coffee, no offering, no, you know, no singing. Um, it feels like the very reasons why we are supposed to gather mm-hmm. We can't actually do. Mm-hmm. The only reason we gather is for the content and we can distribute the content in a, in a much safer way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I want people to understand we're pro-gathering and we believe the New Testament church is pro-gathering because God is pro-gathering of his people, but we're restricted in the very behaviors of gathering that would drive us to gather. That's why we're not gathering yet. Yeah. Outside of just the overall value of wanting to, to be a servant of the community and feeling like we're going to serve them best in this next season through continuing to protect protect people from infection spread, and so that's kind of the bottom bottom line that that we felt all along. I know Joan Hyatt and I talked about that uh, a month or so ago, but uh, the survey and your input, everyone really helped. I think yeah. solidify that.
1: Yeah, and and on that point, I mean, beyond just just some of the the sort of. Percentages and things in response to the all the the multiple choice questions in the place where people could provide uh, open ended comments. Um, A lot of people touched on that. That a number that even expressed like, I so wish we could get back to gathering. Um, I'm longing for that. I know in some of the responses of people, I know that you know they may even live alone and whatnot. They're expressing that sort of really hungry for it, but they were recognizing and saying things like, I know it's not going to feel like actual community and connection. And it won't feel welcoming. It won't feel inclusive. It'll have an attendance sort of cap limit that who knows if that means actually turning people away if there was enough interest. And and those people are articulating that that doesn't feel like what we, what, again, the purpose of gathering is, why we would gather. Um, and that's where we want to encourage as much as is safe and as possible for ways to to actually benefit From some of the dynamics of gathering even if it's in smaller ways with roommates with families you know with a life group in a backyard uh maybe even around some of the service dynamics and whatnot uh, where we can actually engage in some of those things more safely
0: and so let's get into some of that conversation i mean the the especially the long version of the of the survey Mm -hmm. touched on a number of other dynamics of how we're navigating covid um what would you say? First of all, the survey told us about how people are growing spiritually these days. How's that going?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say a, a couple of things. Again, the the online service engagement has been strong, and although this necessarily isn't isn't specific to the survey, one thing I know in in a fair bit of conversations, and and even for me tapping into our life groups and our life group leaders, people have shared is that. There's at a spiritual life level, there has been certain uh, growth upsides to taking in a service in a different fashion and particularly something like a practice-based way of living a life of faith. Uh, we've been seeking to, to sort, of, sort of raise that bar or move that tide along in, in our large group gatherings for a few years now and and know that it takes a bit of sort of the stretching and, and uh, growing into some new kinds of practices. And sometimes those can be, there's certain ones I think we just need to do in larger spaces and together in a larger community. And some that I know sometimes maybe feel a little weird or awkward in a big sort of auditorium type environment. And I think some of those in the sort of safety and privacy of your living room, maybe with just a couple closer, uh, you know, relationships and connections, I think probably have connected at a deeper level for people. And uh, you, you see some of that evidence in the comments of what people have appreciated about the online services, I think on the other hand, one thing that I know uh, our inspiration team has really worked so hard on and done an excellent job is creating then the resources that you can actually practice every single day, Monday to Saturday, more personally and even more privately. And at that level, the survey showed us that there's there's probably varying levels of engagement. It would be a, a, a sort of smaller few that have made some of those resources kind of a regular part of their daily life. And then sort of a bit, a much bigger group that have tried once in a while, but haven't necessarily activated that as consistent routine. Um, And I think that's something that we still have room to grow in, or especially in this time of, of not gathering in the same way on Sunday mornings, our, our personal lifestyle of living an inspirited life, you know, tapping into and practicing the presence of God daily. Um, we want to resource our community to to do that well, to, to be able to to live that out day in and day out. And uh, there's probably some room to grow we see in the survey in that regard, and probably ways we need to keep learning and figuring out how to resource best and what's the right amount of resources and pace and all, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And I would really affirm that, Jeff. The, the, the pandemic, if it's done nothing else, it's reframed, I think, for a lot of us, how spiritual growth happens. Mm-hmm and uh, a mentor of mine, Tim Day, has said, I feel like the pandemic is ridding our society of our addiction to Sundays. Hmm. That that Sundays is our lifeline to spiritual growth, where for us, Sundays is this gymnasium that teaches us how to exercise and live a spiritually fit life moment by moment, day by day, throughout the week, not the one hour, but the you know other 167. And so, uh, you know, I would echo that 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 if we can lean heavier into the spiritual resources and the spiritual practices available, and learn to cultivate a relationship with God ourselves, that our weekend services can support and and help encourage. That's ultimately what we're trying to do, even when we yeah, gather. Absolutely. And so, if uh, if online that can that can help encourage that, that would be great. Uh, another area that we've been hoping to to gain. Feedback on and come alongside the support that I know mattered, mattered at least to me in, in uh, the survey, involve parents and families. Hmm. This has been an anxious time for parents and families, especially parents and families with little kids. What, what did we learn about how parents are na- navigating the pandemic?
1: Yeah, uh we, we I mean we kind of ended up having really just sort of one question targeted at at those with kids, certainly kids at home and kind of a younger family. And it was a little more still pointed to uh to to a reopening. And I mean at, at that level, again, just to add to sort of the, the data and the leanings, uh asking whether parents would feel comfortable bringing their kids, knowing we we can't safely provide full scale kids programming and all that kind of thing. It was, it was over 70% that said not at this time, would, would not feel comfortable with that. Um, and at the same time, I know, and I know our family ministry or in the spring was kind of doing an effort to call every family, ask, how do we support them? I know it's a time where, families need us to come alongside as kind of much as ever. And again, you think about our values that in some ways, this, this pandemic is just accelerating us to to sort of live them out in the purest form, partnering with parents is a value. And uh, yeah, I would just know more from either conversations with some of our family ministry or people in my life, life group, and whatnot. Um, finding ways to, to resource kids well, or even think about continue to think about our church that much more intergenerationally right to the youngest ages, maybe even finding ways to integrate things into our, our online services from time to time. Uh, I know we've had some kids participate in prayers and some, some of the choir moments and things, but, but maybe even to keep beefing that up just to, just to make sure we have our eyes on the youngest members of our community and particularly their households and their parents to help them be the primary spiritual influence that they are. So, I mean, I know things that we've mentioned that have, that have existed and are in a household like ours with our ages are working well, just having so such easy access to um, what would be the content and the programming that we would normally offer, you know, in a movers and shakers environment, our kids can take that in every week. And it's what we're sort of trying to practice is then the follow up. What was your story? What question, you know, were you processing? How can we process that as a family and let that spill into the week a little bit? So I know our family ministry is working hard on what more of that looks like Uh, in the fall.
0: Mm. Uh, Let's talk then in our kind of final move here about your world Mm. in connection, because I know that one of the biggest areas of concern for us is ensuring, even though we can't gather, that everyone can experience community. So first off, what, what did the survey reveal about things like live groups and their participation these days, especially in the pandemic, even over the summer?
1: yeah, so uh, I think a couple things it has shown us, and this again was was not surprising because it's just the, the frequency with which we try to be uh, in touch with our, our leaders and things what had kind of told this this in advance, but we want to just ask the whole community at a, sort of a participant level, is that people have probably interacted with their life groups uh, by and large more than average in summer um which for us is great to hear and i think is just something that's been necessary where at some level we often see the summer when it comes to the life group more sort of formal or proper program if you will like you know if you meet on a tuesday night the, the, every tuesday night or every other it, it usually takes a pretty more clean and firm break in the summertime because life often gets busy with that much more extracurricular outdoor events getaways having those things scaled back in many of our lives and our need for connection, like it, it not being necessarily as convenient or as prevalent to have the natural connections we would otherwise have. Uh, life groups have seemed to stay in touch more. I know there's been some that even though a lot of people describe zoom fatigue from leaning on screens a lot in the spring, we have a few groups who, and this was shown in the in the in the the data, that because of existing, of of potential health concerns that are a little more extreme in their group. They've stayed faithful with, with creating a video meeting option every week throughout the summer and uh, participate as best they can that way. Many others have moved to try to have in-person outdoor gatherings of of some kind. Um, and and all of them seem to use other technology, email or text threads or WhatsApp to, to stay in touch. And many of them have been describing more frequently than usual. How you doing? Hey, I have a prayer request. Um you know, hey, excited that you're getting to go camping this weekend, encouragements, all that kind of stuff, that that stuff's been rolling along pretty well. Um, and yet there would still be a category of people, whether in a group or not, where the group's like a smaller percentage, but there is a percentage of people that haven't had a chance to in an in-person way interact with anyone else from the Southridge family. And probably that's where I'm really focusing and our team's focusing our attention right now on on wanting to figure out how we create space for that person Especially if we're not having full-blown public Sunday
0: gatherings. Yeah. And did the survey itself stimulate thinking about any strategies that we could explore or experiment with to foster more community, especially for those disconnected uh, people?
1: Yeah, I think uh, one thing that that's not not necessarily surprising or wasn't we weren't already thinking about, but we just have needed to try to figure out how to strategize and wanted to get a sense of the, the actual interest. Uh a few things in the survey spoke to just people's comfort level indoors versus outdoors. And not surprisingly, a lot of people would say, hey, right now, leveraging time outside, and we've heard from our public health officials that that's a, a lot safer. And so how do we make the most of that in the appropriate sort of group sizes with physical, physical distancing? And so, I mean, one of the questions we asked was, have you had a chance to safely interact with others from the Southridge family in sort of an outdoor physically distanced way? And, uh, one of the responses we created as an option is no, but I'd like to, one was just no. if, Hey, again, some people are feeling like they're better not getting together with people, but, uh, that group, uh, and I don't have that number right in front of me right now. And I forget what the percentage was, but there's a group there. And I think, uh, you know, even in the, those that would have expressed the longing for the gatherings in that sort of. 20% range. There's there's a 20% in our community who aren't having as many opportunities to connect uh, with whatever relational circle, be it Southridge folks, life groups, neighborhoods, families, roommates, whatever. And uh, now what we're thinking strategically is how do we make sure we leverage the back half of the good weather of summer uh, to create some social connection opportunities? And that's something we're, we're launching into in the next few few weeks. Um and there's info on our website about some some social in-the-park, as we're calling them, opportunities.
0: Yeah, give us a bit of a description as we wrap up today. Uh, you know, what are you trying to drive in the next month or two before things get cooler and we're driven indoors again? Uh, knowing that so many of us are hungry to experience connection and community these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, three things. Uh, firstly, these these socials that I mentioned. We will have announced on on the in the weekly service, the online service of of this week, that we're launching uh, a variety of what we're calling Southridge in the Park social events, and they are just that—a chance to come at a particular time and meeting point. Be outside, be physically distanced, and see some others from the Southridge community. Um, We're we're just to try to keep it safe and simple. We're not going to be providing food and things, but you can bring picnic stuff. Um, Our numbers are limited in the 25 to 30 uh, zone, so there's sign-up required on the website. But uh, we've got probably at least four dates up there, looking to maybe add a few more. Just come hang out. It'll be a great chance for us as some leaders to, to see you, uh, sort of work the room of the outdoor space. And I, I can't wait to do that. So these socials over the next few weeks, kind of between now and Labor Day, maybe in the first couple of weeks of September, is just number one for anyone who's interested, but maybe especially those who haven't had a chance with a life group or others to see some Southridge uh, family members to come out and do that. Uh, and then number two, we're hoping to sort of springboard off that or piggyback off that to, to plan a couple uh, even more uh, targeted. Uh, outdoor events for those who have connected to our community through this pandemic era. We have a number of people who have started participating in an online fashion and where we used to offer next step lunches after a service. Uh, We're going to try to create some next step gatherings where we invite some of those folks that we know are new or are looking for next steps, uh, even in this season. And then the third phase will be in the back half of September, first week of October, Uh, more formally relaunching our life group initiatives, figuring out what that looks like as we got to sort of safely obviously leverage indoors to a greater degree by that point. Um, But we want to make sure we have on-ramps like a a outdoor lifeline of sorts, whether we call it a, a lifeline or next step and are hoping to have a bunch of new groups some short-term groups, and hopefully some of our existing groups that can welcome someone new in, whether that's going to be in person or a number of them may be online. But we actually experienced incredible power and accessibility of that in spring. And we want to make sure we take advantage of that again in the fall. So, So socials, sort of next step, and then life group launch is in the next six weeks what we're trying to do.
0: And the message to all of our people is take advantage of the warmer weather. Yeah. No doubt. No, November first will be another challenge. We'll face that then. But for now, you know, take advantage of the warmer weather. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff, thanks for sharing with us today. Any final encouragements or challenges to everyone listening when it comes to us being the church and connecting in community, even though we can't gather during this time of crisis.
1: Yeah, I'd say uh, we have talked so long and so often about a lifestyle, a way of being and living in my entire 100, 168 hours of my week that is devoted to Christ and devoted to community and relationship and devoted to serving those in need. And there is nothing stopping us. In fact, there's a lot needing and catalyzing us to live that out as much as as we ever have. And I would just encourage us to make the effort to in ways that are safe, respecting everybody's different perspectives, uh, to interact and engage. Live as helpmates with those in your circle and also make an invitation. Let's have our eyes out for those Uh, not yet in a circle or our circle, whether they're from our Southridge family or they're from our neighborhoods, uh, we can be doing that. And especially while we've still got some good outdoor weather and the the phases that we're in now allow for some of that, follow all the guidelines, make sure everyone's feeling comfortable and safe, but live a helpmate life. We're not meant to live alone. We know that now as much as ever. So let's uh, be the kinds of people that as we follow Jesus, don't live alone. We actually live with others and for others. And there's nothing stopping us from doing that right now. We are fully open in that regard.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Junior, for sharing with us today. And uh, thanks to all of you, not just for listening in, but for engaging with us in this conversation, especially uh, through this survey format obviously we'd love your feedback all the time so don't hesitate to drop us a line and let us know how things are going or ideas and ways that we can improve and fostering that way of life but thanks so much for continuing to track with us and uh, we, we look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue finding our way together take care everybody